So let's go ahead and take our Bibles, take a look at Hebrews chapter 5. Our text is going to be verses 11 through chapter 6, verse 2. Let me read this text real quick here. Of whom we have many things to say, and hard to be uttered, seeing ye are dull of hearing. For when the time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. For everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith towards God, of the doctrine of baptism and of a laying on of hands, and of the resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. We're going to stop right there. We're going to get back to the text in just a moment. By way of introduction, you know, popular YouTube channels can prey off of oddball facts, and it kind of sucks you in. Hey, what's some things I didn't know? When you start to kind of analyze the trivia of some of these oddball facts on YouTube, not necessarily wrong per se. It could be, and I'm going to get to that in a moment. But it kind of sucks our attention in uh, to hearing these oddball facts. For instance, one time I was watching a a video, and it was mentioning weird military facts, such as a a person that had to bail out of a a World War II plane was shot down. While he was parachuting, a Nazi plane was coming towards him, pulled out his handgun, and successfully shot down the plane with his handgun. You know, that's not going to eternally benefit me, but I found it interesting. Um, Another oddball fact I found was interesting was that the group that created the software for autocorrect on your phones. You like that software? It helps you so much, doesn't it? No mistakes are ever found with that. Um, But the team that developed it, there were five programmers. And one of the programmers didn't see the benefit of it, didn't see the use of it, decided to share or to sell his share of the company early, and he got out of this company called SwiftKey. Then later, in 2016... Microsoft purchased it for a total of $250 million, which means that one person, by selling his share early, missed out on $50 million. Guess what? That's also not going to eternally benefit me. (laughs) But I found it interesting. The material presented in channels like this are quick and easy to digest, aren't they? They're not hard. You can kind of use some time. And by the way, after a long day of work, sometimes it's helpful to unwind a little bit if the source of unwinding is not sinful. The Bible talks about ways that we can rest and refuel so we can be our best for serving the Lord. However, there is a danger for us getting sucked into a complacency mindset where you almost dull your senses and you lose time in areas where you should not lose time and you start to train your mind to be undisciplined. You start to train your senses to be complacent. That is an issue. And in fact, it's that fundamental issue that the author of Hebrews is going to address when he's talking to these uh, Jewish believers about why they cannot handle strong meat spiritually. And so we're going to look at that topic this morning, how to handle strong meat. And I want to examine these three aspects. We want to examine the urgency or self-examination of the topic. Then secondly, we'll see the need to extract apathy. And then third, to exercise maturity. My main point this morning is this. You must be exercising discernment in order to handle strong meat spiritually. 
You must be exercising discernment in order to handle strong meat spiritually. Let's open in a word of prayer. Let's pray. Father, I pray for you to fill me with your spirit. Lord, as I'm preaching your word, would your word go forth and accomplish that which you please? And Lord, I pray that you'd help each student, staff member, everyone listening to understand the importance of not being complacent, apathetic, of exercising discernment. Lord, we want to be in a position to handle strong meat. And you talk about how we can be. Lord, I pray that that would come across clearly. Please fill me with your spirit and use me in Christ's name. Amen. I'm going to admit my introduction is going to be a little bit longer than the main part of the message, but please, it's important. I'm not going to go over all the different possible authors of Hebrews, right? I'm going to leave that to you in your Bible classes. Some have suggested Barnabas, Luke, etc. I personally believe it is Paul, and I'll reference it that way. Ultimately, the author is the Lord. He inspired the scripture, and this is part of it. But I'm going to reference Paul, just so you're aware. The recipients is a Jewish audience and that were centered around tabernacle and temple systems of worship. And Pastor Surrett said this when he taught Hebrews and general epistles when I was here. This is a direct quote. The purpose of the writing of Hebrews is that Christ is better. The central thought is the superiority of Christ, not only proving that Christianity is better than Judaism, but that it is the very best. That's the purpose of Hebrews being written. On top of that, John Phillips, in his commentary, said something about the book of Hebrews that's actually quite beautiful in the way that it's written and really lays out why Hebrews was uh, written. Listen to this. John Phillips said this, and it's picturesque. Standing somewhere in the assembled crowd is a Jew, born of the tribe of Levi and of the house of Aaron, thus by every right a priest, but he has become a Christian. So the splendid temple and its gorgeous ritual, decreed by holy written by traditions reaching back from century to century, is no longer for him. However, he gazes at it somewhat wistfully, feeling a tug at his heart. Although he knows that the temple and its functions are mere shadows and that the substance is Christ, the temple looks so real. And the ritual speak with such authority that the shadow looks like the substance while the substance becomes the shadow. The epistles to the Hebrews was written for him. That's well put. Very beautiful. But it's just saying, hey, that physical representation of the temple and in its system was pointing to Christ. Now that we have Christ, we don't look back to it. And that's part of what Hebrews is, is, is doing in its writing. Take a look at verse 1 of chapter 5. Again, this is building up to, to the main meat of the message here. It says in verse 1, For every high priest taken from among men is ordained for men in things pertaining to God. Verse 1 is talking about some of the natural qualifications for a priest. He's born of the tribe of Levi. He's from the family line of Aaron, etc. The author points out that there's human origins to some of the priestly functions. You have to meet qualifications um, uh, for to, to be a priest. Verse 2, take a look there. Who can have compassion on the ignorant and on them that are out of the way? For that he himself also is compassed with infirmity. The benefit of a humanly appointed representative is the natural empathy that should characterize his service. He understands what it means to be a fallen human. Verse 2 is touching on that with this priestly system. Verse 3. Verse 3 is a point, I'm not going to read it, but it points to the reality of the own sinfulness of the priest and the sacrifice that he is going to make. Verse 4, the priestly functions of representing someone before the Lord was an honor not to be taken lightly. The calling is shown to be from God himself. Verse 5, he's talking about, 
now this, this pointing to Christ, so also Christ glorified not himself to be made a high priest. It shows that God is the one that appointed Christ as the high priest. God is in control. Then verse 6 starts this quote, or verse 5 and 6 starts these quotations from the book of Psalms. You have the quotation of Psalm 2, verse 7, in verses 6 and following, the quote from Psalm 110, verse 4, where he talks about Christ being a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. He's talking about Christ. Why am I mentioning all of this? Because in all this doctrine leading up, he's talking about these wonderful things about how the priestly functions did operate and then how Christ is better. But then you have the author of Hebrews do a timeout and stop. Take a look at verse 11. He times out. He stops. Of whom we have many things to say and hard to be uttered, seeing ye are dull of hearing. Boy, wouldn't you like to find out what he was about to say about Christ? But he couldn't. There was something in the way. There was some apathy that set in. And what he wanted to share about Christ, he had to stop and say, time out. I can't go on talking about these things. I have to address something else completely. And that's where we're at in our text, this time out. Where are we at? Are we in a position where we can handle strong meat? So number one, we need to do this. Examine the urgency. Notice that there was something on his heart that he wanted to say, but the recipients, these Hebrews, had something in the way of learning. Take a look at verse 11. When it says that phrase, hard to be uttered, you look that up, it means this. It means difficult to tell the meaning of something, hard to explain by context. It implies this. The subject matter is not too difficult to handle by context. But the ability of the audience is not acute enough to comprehend it. This is what I mean. Have you ever talked to somebody and you got that look where their eyes glaze over? Maybe every staff member knows what I'm talking about. Maybe you've been there where you just, you glazed over, you lost it. You kind of have to stop, step back and say, you just don't understand. You don't understand. And that's what the author of Hebrews is doing. Hey, there's things I want to say, I could say. It's not too difficult for you to understand, but you're not acute enough to get it. You just don't understand. As I mentioned, I was a wrestler, and uh, a name popular in wrestling is the name Dan Gable. I'm not sure if any of you have a wrestling background. Have any of you ever heard of that name, Dan Gable? A few of you. Dan Gable in the 1976 Olympics not only went undefeated at the Olympic level in wrestling, He went unscored upon at the Olympic level. Just incredible. On the same team as Dan Gable was a man named Ben Peterson. Ben Peterson knows the Lord, loves the Lord, uh, has a good testimony. In 1976, he was also a gold Olympic medalist in his weight category, in his weight bracket. And uh, I was able to meet Ben Peterson, and he showed me and some other guys that travel neighborhood Bible time his Olympic medals. I tell you, that was an honor. Really enjoyed that. One of the things he did is that he signed a T-shirt for us. I'm like, boy, this is cool. I know wrestling. I know who he is. I folded up that T-shirt, set it aside, uh, didn't wear it, that type of thing. It was special. The other guys that he signed a T-shirt for, not realizing the background of this man, maybe the significance of it, took the same T-shirt and started to go up to everybody else in the group and say, hey, you sign it too, and you sign it too, and you sign it too. And inside, I was dying at the time. I'm like, no, you don't do that. You don't understand. Back to Hebrews. He wants to tell them about Christ. But they don't understand. 
There was something in the way of learning. And so this is what the author of Hebrews does do. He addresses a problem. Verse 11, ye are dull of hearing. Have you ever heard something that kind of hurts a little bit? We need that sometimes. God wants to point out an area that needs to be addressed. It may not necessarily feel good, but is it truth? And is it an area to address? And that's what Paul, this author, is doing. There's something I wanted to say. There's something in the way of learning. But let me say this. Let me reveal a problem. You're dull. Do some self-examination. Lord, in order to handle strong meat, I can't be dull of hearing. can't be complacent. So number one, examine the urgency. Number two, extract the apathy. Take a look at verse 12. If you're not apathetic, you're not complacent, as a Christian, there's going to be a reproductive time in your life, in your walk with the Lord. What do I mean by reproductive? You're pouring into the lives of others. There's soul winning. There's discipleship, mentorship. And that's a natural process if you're walking with Christ that ought to be there. Take a look at verse 12. For when, uh, for when, for the time ye ought to be teachers. This is what should be happening. There is a time in the Christian walk to teach. You know, this is a good cross-reference to that concept of 2 Timothy 2, 2. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou also to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. The Bible says in Psalm 51, verse 13, notice the context. After David gets right with the Lord, after his sin with Bathsheba, he gets right with the Lord. And one of the things he said after getting right is this, Then will I teach transgressors thy way. After being right with the Lord, there's an opportunity to reproduce truth in others. That's a natural process. By the way, a great picture of this in practicality is Acts 13, verses 1 through 5. This is the first missionary journey, Barnabas and Saul being sent out. But if you read the context, that church was busy in teaching in training, in reproducing good doctrine to others. And it's in that context God says, send out Barnabas and Saul. And it's in that context. So in the Christian walk, there's a time to be teaching. But if that's not you or you're not there, you're not reproducing, perhaps there's some growth, there's always growth, there's always equipping, perhaps you're in that stage. But sometimes it reveals a need to be retaught certain things. Take a look at verse 12. For the time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God. We're going to approach the first principles of the oracles of God in a moment. I'm going to rephrase that as the fundamental principles of God. But if there's not that process that ought to be there, there's a time to reteach. As I mentioned, uh, having a little bit of the strength, strength training background uh, when I've done some study with those who are strength, strength trainers and things like that, did you know that if you are doing a movement that's complex, or it should be complex, such as a squat or the deadlift or the bench press, and something hurts, do you know what a good trainer will say? Stop. Take off the weight. Let's analyze the form to make sure that bar is moving correctly, the right muscles are activated, the bracing's there, the breathing's there. They're going to say, stop. Let's re-go back to the basics. You know what Paul is saying? If there's not a time when you're reproducing, there might be a time when we say, stop. Let's analyze the basics. Are they there? Do you realize the importance of it? Now, he's going to mention the basics as a starting point to move forward. But are they in place? These first principles, the fundamental principles of God. They must be in place. And so, 
in answering this question, how to handle strong meat, there needs to be self-examination. Examine the urgency. Number two, extract the apathy. Am I where I'm supposed to be as I'm learning to walk with the Lord, reproducing in others? If no, there may be a time for reteaching. Number three, we'll end with this. Uh, We'll spend a few minutes, but we'll end with this note. Exercise maturity. Take a look at verses 13 and 14. mentions, For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age. Notice in exercising maturity, if you're handling strong meat and reproducing, there is going to, you will by nature learn the skill of using God's word. Did you know it's a skill? Because he says right here that those who are a babe in Christ are unskilled in it. But you need to develop the skill of pouring in the truth to other people. How do I soul win more effectively? Lord, give me the words to say we always need the Holy Spirit's leading. But did you know that you need to do some work at developing the skill? You need to do some work in in studying God's word. Notice that God's word is righteous, by the way. But we need to be, if we're exercising maturity, we need to be skillful in using God's word. Let's now take a look at the fundamental principles of God to see what we should be skillful at and what should be the foundation of what we're learning from. Take a look at verse 1 of chapter 6. Just a note, when it says leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, it's not saying that I leave them behind not to touch them. What it is saying that it creates a foundation from which to go beyond. So that is laid as a foundation, and you need to go beyond. But if that foundation's not there, there's the first principles of the oracles of God. That's where we start. Notice the list of things that he mentions. Very first thing that he mentions is the repentance from dead, dead works. Repentance. There's the gospel right there. Realizing that works don't get me to heaven. I need to repent and by faith place my faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice the second thing, faith towards God. Repentance from dead works, faith towards God. These are fundamental. Of the doctrine of baptisms, verse 2. I baptize in my growing. Um, laying on of hands. You know, the early church in Acts chapter 8, verse 17, and Acts chapter 13, verse 3, laid on in hands and dedicating and sending those out, dedicating to the Lord. The, the principle of the resurrection of the dead. Do you believe in the resurrection? Eternal judgment. These are basics of what we believe. And these basics, these first principles of the oracles of God, have to be in place. There's the gospel in there, the hope of the resurrection. By the way, this plays into everything. If you don't understand how the resurrection plays into your daily Christian walk, there's a time for reteaching, because it does. If there's not an understanding of how faith towards God plays into your daily walk, there needs to be a time of reteaching, because it does. Colossians 2.6, As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. The same faith that said, Lord, I can't save myself, is the same faith that says, Lord, I can't sanctify myself. We need the Lord's help. But there's that fundamental principle, the resurrection, repentance, faith towards God, the the hope of the resurrection, the eternal judgment. These are the basis, the basics that need to be in place. And if you don't also understand how that may play into the handbook, there may be some time for reteaching as well. I was joking with Brother Spencer about this. Oregon's kind of known for legalizing marijuana. But when I was in the dean of students' office, one of the most... um, touchy areas that we had to enforce was the dating rules. 
Whereas Oregon may have legalized marijuana, Ambassador legalized dating. I say that jokingly. If you want to take a look at the old handbook and what the dating laws used to be, laws, rules, <laughs> used to be, see me. I, in fact, when I first saw the changes, I joked with my wife, saying, and I don't mean this, but I was joking, the dean of students' office is getting lazy trying to enforce all that stuff, so they said, forget it. <laughs> so if you think it's strict now, just talk with me. When my wife and I were, were dating as freshmen, yes, we were a freshman couple, um, we were allowed two 15-minute periods, I think it was a day, uh, that we could talk to each other uh, unless we had a dating pass. And we were allowed once a week to have a dating pass. Um, and so that's all the time you, you were legally, really, able to spend together. So um, there has been some changes. Oregon legalized marijuana, ambassador legalized dating. So I'm going to leave that there. <laughs> and I say that in jest. But back to our text. The basics of God's word has to permeate what we do and everything we do. That's the sign of a healthy Christian. How does the gospel affect my walk in daily life, my lifestyle? It does. If you don't think it does, there's a problem, a time for reteaching. All right, so let's take a look at the last aspect that we are going to under exercising maturity. It's focusing on the word discernment. Take a look at verse 14. To them that are of full age, now we're talking about the mature, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. That word discern is from a Greek compound word meaning through judgment. Are you discerning what you do through careful judgment as to what God wants you to do? If you're able to handle strong meat spiritually or you're walking with the Lord as you ought, you will practice that process of discerning what you do. To be of practical help, let me give you four questions that may be helpful for you in practicing discernment. When you're going about daily decisions, and by the way, this is by no means exhaustive, these four questions. I just find them helpful. I want to share them with you. Number one, if you're considering something, very simply ask, is it sin? It's a simple question. It's a place to start because God has mentioned so many things that are impure or unkind or unethical or not wise with your finances, etc., that if we disobey, that's sin. So in exercise and discernment, ask, is it sin? First John 2, 1, the Bible says this, My little children, these things write I unto you, that you sin not. There's things written so we don't sin. So number one, is it sin? Number two, is it providing an avenue for the flesh? So maybe it's not sin, but maybe what it did do is opened a huge door where it made sin easy. That's dangerous. That's not practicing discernment. Boy, uh, by the way, when Christ told his disciples, pray that ye enter not into temptation, notice that that was starting at the very gate. Don't even start down the road. Don't enter into temptation. By the way, temptation's not the sin. Sin's the sin. But why enter into temptation to sin? Christ said not to even do that. And so that's a good rule for us. Don't even enter. Is it providing an avenue for the flesh? A verse for this is Romans 13, verse 14. But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill it in the lust thereof. By the way, personally, that's where I place YouTube. So much so that I personally decided to delete that as an app from my phone. Just thought, you know what? Just don't need it. It's a waste of time. And at best, it's, just, it's going to provide an avenue for the flesh I don't need. Uh, so I'm not saying it's wrong to have a YouTube app, but 
for many of you, it's going to be an avenue to the flesh that you should delete. Number three, is it above reproach? Is it above reproach? So maybe it's not sin. Maybe for you it's not an area of temptation, so it doesn't provide an avenue for the flesh. But maybe it's causing a huge stumbling block for others. Is it above reproach? A verse for this, there's two of them, but I'll give you a reference to one. Read the other. James 3.17 says, But the wisdom that is from above is first pure then peaceful, easy to, easy to uh, be entreat, gentle and easy to be entreated. Full of, good mercy, full of mercy and good fruits, excuse me, without partiality and without hypocrisy. You could also attach to that Philippians 4.8. And then the last question I would ask is, is it best? Is it best? 1 Corinthians 6.12 for this. The Bible says this, All things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. Best. Uh, my pastor has often said that one of the things that he had to learn in ministry is sometimes the good can fill up in a ministry to the expense of the best. And so is it best? So number one, is it sin? Number two, is it providing an avenue for the flesh? Number three, is it above reproach? Number four, is it best? And that's you practicing discernment, exercising maturity. Lord, I, I hope there's a desire in each of you to be able to handle strong meat, to go beyond the basics. But in order to do that, you must be exercising maturity, exercising discernment, going through this process of seeing how the basic principles, the basic fundamentals of the Word of God permeate your Christian life. So let me close with this illustration. As I mentioned, having some strength training background, when I went in the weight room for the first time, I actually started working out when I was in seventh grade with strength coaches at the school. I participated in the sports, and they were good. Uh, coaches. They, for several weeks, wouldn't allow me to put any weight on the bar. They just had the bar there, and you practice the movement, moving the bar correctly, correct bar path, breathing, breathing, bracing, etc. The expectation was not for me to go through months of training and never put on more weight than just the bar. The bar was the beginning, but it had to be in place and be in place properly. Then as I got stronger, got the correct motions, we started to put weight on it. And we went up and up in weight, et cetera. And uh, today I compete a little bit. That's beside the point. But the bar never went away. It was always there. However, it was also understood that that was not the ending point. That was the starting point. And then weight goes on. I like the illustration because you need to start with the gospel, with Jesus Christ, what he did on the cross. But that's the beginning, and it creates a foundation to move on where other doctrines are laid upon that. In fact, in 2 Peter chapter, two, uh, chapter 1, it says, add to your faith, and notice that, that foundation, virtue, the virtue, knowledge, and you have that list. But it starts out with that foundation. Some of you may need to be retaught some of those first principles of the oracles of God and see how it needs to permeate your life. Others of you maybe, boy, I'm starting to see that. Lord, help me in practicing discernment filtering things in because the desire for each of you is to be able to handle strong meat number one examine the urgency number two extract any form of apathy number three exercise maturity you must be exercising discernment in order to be spiritually mature let's pray father thank you for these students lord thank you for their attention lord my prayer for each of them is that they would be qualified to handle strong meat but, Lord, may they start where you told one of the churches to start, and that's to start at the cross, to remember from once they are fallen. Lord, to see how that needs to permeate their lives. Lord, as you have touched, as you have convicted, Lord, I pray that you would work and that these students would be in obedience in how they respond.
pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.